Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Loss Podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you and presented by our partners at Bet Online. Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and all of your favorite Vegas and casino poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today, which is betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Against that, Again, that promo code is BELIEVE, which is B-L-E-A-V, and you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. This week in the Carnazada, Dylan Hernandez of the Los Angeles Times stops by to talk about Julio Diaz and, uh, and chop it up a little bit about kind of what the future could be with him. As you guys have heard me say on this show, I don't think that Julio Diaz is going to resign. Um, and, and Juan is kind of of the same boat. Alicia's of the same boat as well. But uh, as far as it goes, we chop it up and we kind of take a deep dive into Julio Diaz and, uh, and talk a lot of other Dodger stuff. So without further ado, here is Dylan Hernandez. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. And uh, this week in the Carnazada, we are joined by uh, by Los Angeles Times B-Rider, Dylan Hernandez. By the way, I'm going to preface this because I know Juan's going to say it. We, we, we do support the LA Times here. By pure chance, we have your writers on here all the time. They still have that promo where you can subscribe for a dollar for uh, for three months, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, so go do it. Just go yeah. do it. The I have a on. subscription, so the Times is not paying us to put their writers on. Okay, guys. Yeah. I paid for my subscription, and I read the Times. Same Thank here. I was, I was wondering where the three subscribers were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're all right here. We're all, all right three myself. different email accounts, Dylan. So. <laughs> we, we, we debated using the same email account, but we're like, no, nah, we can't do the Netflix thing. Yes. We tried to Netflix it for sure. Yes, we tried. But you know what? You know, in this economy, the dollar goes a long way sometimes. So that's why it comes in clutch. But, uh, but Dylan, thanks for joining us, man. No, thank you for having me on. So uh, we've talked about Julio Diaz quite a bit everywhere, right? And, and he's he's uh, he's in, in a contract year. It's an interesting year as it is to begin with. He had a slow start. He's kind of been able to get get back into the groove of things. I personally said before the season started that I do not expect Julio Diaz to re-sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And some of the points as to why I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Dodgers are in the piece that you just put out yesterday, which uh, two days ago uh, when you're listening to this. And uh and I just kind of wanted to, to, to go over some of that stuff. And one of the things is you don't think that the Dodgers trust Julio Diaz. Obviously, there's a lot to, to unpack there. Um, I think the reason he's not resigning personally is because of the way they've used him over the years. That, that's my personal theory. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. The, 
outside of speculation, right? But you made some good points as far as the way that the Dodgers have handled them and they just simply don't trust them. Elaborate on that. You know, obviously you get to see firsthand all that stuff since you're on the beat. What, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, there's a combination of things here, I think, right? Where, you know, part of it is you do have like a pretty like intrusive front office that likes to kind of think that they, right? They, they believe they can have, help affect the outcome of a game. Uh, so you do have that. Um, I do think part of it is personality driven, right? Um, you know, he's kind of a normal Mexican kid, right? And if you kind of know the culture, right, it's not like Central, you know, my dad's from El Salvador, right? It's the, you know, it's not like Central Americans where you're going to cause trouble a lot. You know, it's generally speaking, very kind of respectful to your elders, right? Kind of believing in the hierarchy. So like, he's a kid that like kind of has always gone along with things, even right when he was younger, they had him on all these pitch counts. He's always just kind of gone, gone along with it. He's, you know, been very agreeable with everything. And so I do think part of it is this like thing where, okay, well, he's the guy we can do this to, right? This isn't, you know, Walker Bueller the other day, right? When he threw the complete game, I mean, preempted it. Like you better not effing take me out of the game, whatever. Um, you know, there's a reason, you know, but I think that's part of it, right? Is that, okay, you know, say last year, why did they use the opener with him in the DS and not right with Bueller or Scherzer? Now, granted, you know, Urias Grant, you know, had pitched, you know, has had recent experience pitching in relief, but I think part of it too is also the, I mean, you can't ask those guys that they will tell you to get lost. So, um, you know, I think part of it is that, but I think, uh, you know, again, the other part of this now is, you know, as he's kind of right, taking on a bigger role on the team in theory, you would expect that to start changing, you know? And I think it's one thing, I mean, again, even last year, honestly, I thought it was kind of disrespectful, right? You're going into game five, the guy won 20 games, you know, you can devalue the win all you want, whatever, but, you know, I mean, it's still the point of the game is to like win it. Right. And he won 20 of them. First guy in five years to do that. You know, you, and when I asked Dave Roberts about that before game five, he was like, yeah, he absolutely deserves to start. And frankly, like, I think if it were Dave Roberts's choice, he would have started that game. Right. Dave Roberts is kind of an old school baseball guy. Right. I mean, these are the things that are coming from upstairs. And if you go back and read the column that I wrote about game five and, you know, subsequently, right. You know, I think there was a whole chain reaction that started there on them getting them knocked out of the playoffs. I refer to this as a front office decision because I really believe that that's what the case was, you know, but here, you know, again, like as he's taking on a bigger role, you would expect that to kind of start changing. I mean, he's the number two starter now. And even just from like a practical standpoint, um, they need him to be like a number two, you know, it's, and th that means taking down innings, right? And I know that that concept of that type of workhorse starter might be dying, right? But uh, it does matter, right? I mean, if your starter can take down seven innings instead of six, eight instead of seven, those innings will add up over the course of the year, you know? And I know they're talking about, well, like keeping him fresh for like October. Well, how about keeping the bullpen fresh for October? I mean, we've seen, how many times have we seen, you know, uh, you know, going back to 17 when Brandon Morrow came in and surprisingly had a great year, right? By the end of the World Series, he was out of gas and, you know, um, right? And basically in that, in that game with Julio there, you know, he takes down one more innings, even two more batters. I mean, maybe that's like one guy there you don't have to use. And, you know, it's kind of a chain effect there. And you would just think that at this point um, that he would, that would give him more like of a runway and they just haven't done that. And it's just, you know, every thing just kind of points to at the end of the day, you know, they think he's a two times through the order type of pitcher, you know? And I think, you know, you, when you ask me what a, what a number one or a number two is, it's a guy that you let go in deep into a third time into the order. 
And I just think that that trust isn't there for some reason. Hey, Dylan, uh, one of the things that I appreciate about you, because whenever you post one of your columns, you know, everybody on social media loses their mind. You are the most negative person in the world. You hate the Dodgers and stuff like that. So, but I, you know, this is an idea that my co-host Alonzo has been preaching for a while now that he wasn't going to resign because of this, this type of treatment. And I thought your article was very perceptive, but one of the reasons why I give you more credence is because you speak Spanish. So you can go straight to Julio and ask them. And there are two quotes in your piece that really stood out to me. And that was when they asked him about, and I don't know if it was a direct question from you or if it was someone else. Yeah, it was. It was you? Yeah. So when he says no, obviously it happened before. And then later on when he goes, but that was their plan and I have to respect it. You mentioned that, that Julio's a respectful guy and all that stuff. But what your article won't be able to put across is what was his demeanor when you asked him those questions? Like, could you see the frustration in him? Uh, no, you know, and I think he, you know, his thing is kind of to deflect with that humor, right? And I think in spring training, uh, first day of camp, I wrote about him, you know, a lot of it had to do with kind of his different physique, but kind of the second half of the column was more kind of revisiting game five and that decision there, right? Yeah. And his thing is, he kind of like laughs, right? When, you know, and so when I asked him about that, and you see right after the quote, it said that he chuckled, right? right. And yeah. there's kind of this like, come on, like we know, you know, and, and here's the thing about him, right? He... I think is always going to say the right thing. Right. And there's this kind of understand this unspoken understanding between me and him. Like, look, I'm not going to say it. You know, it's right. funny that you're asking because we both know, ha ha ha. Right. And so, and again, if you go back and read that story about spring, he's like, you know, and then spring about game five last year, he's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to understand this and that. And you, you know, he, he was, he talked about it a little bit, you know, uh, I think as much as like he's willing to kind of go there, but yeah, for sure. You know, I think, I think he senses obviously that I, you know, I, I know I heard base, you know, I heard yesterday that, uh, you know, Dave Roberts went over, uh, Julio was talking, I guess, to uh, one of Boris's people and, you know, Dave Roberts took that opportunity to, I guess, walk over and have a chat with them. So, you know, that thing is kind of in the air, right? I mean, you know, and this, you know, so are I, they I, aware that they're pissing him off? I don't think, you know, I think they pretend that it's not there, right? And there's kind of this thing of like, well, if nobody talks about it, like it's not real. And, you know, and here's the thing about this stuff, right? Is that like, this isn't like the first time this has happened or the first player this has happened with. You know, there was a time I remember when, uh, the, so soon after the new front office came in and uh, Kershaw and Strasburg are facing off at Dodger Stadium. I can't even remember what season this was. Um, you know what? It was the year, you know, what? I, I actually, it was here. Uh, but, uh, Michael Bradley scored that goal at the Azteca where he chipped the goal. Oh, right okay. okay. Right. I remember because right after that, I went to Mexico for that. And I got a call from somebody in the Dodgers and they were not <laughs> happy with me for basically bringing up this issue. Right. Yeah. That was kind of this unspoken. And basically what happened was they were going head to head. They yanked Kershaw. He clearly wasn't happy. You know, again, he's not saying it. You know, but as somebody who's writing a column, as opposed to just being, you know, the reporter there, I have some leeway to give my opinion. Right. And I know. And again, I know these guys. I know I know the people in the front office. I know these players. You know, I can tell when a guy's mad, when a guy's happy, you know, for the most part, I think. And, um, you know, clearly he was not happy at that point. And, you know, at that. Right. And, and this was kind of a 
you know, and look, Kershaw's gotten on board now with all these things, you know, part of it has to do with his diminishing powers, whatever. But, you know, I think the one thing fans have to kind of understand is like, and I get this whole thing of like, I'm going to cheer my team and kind of support, right. I want to support the front office. I want to support the players, but this is like a workplace, right. And, you know, like in any workplace, right. Um, you know, it's like, right. Whatever, you know, we all have like with our authority figures, right. I mean, the truth is, you know, over the years, I've had tons of editors, you know, there probably like been one or two that like really had a profound impact on my career. And even the other ones, you know, the ones that I like, to be honest, like, right, you just kind of tolerate their existence, <laughs> you know. And so this idea that like, you know, look, the players understand, yeah, these types of things work, right? The platooning works, the, you know, but that doesn't mean they like it. Right. I mean, why, you know, Jack Peterson, like left for a reason. Kike Hernandez left for a reason. They didn't want to be part-time players, you know, and that's why running an organization is very difficult is because you have to kind of balance all these different things out, um, you know, and in Urias's case, obviously, you know, from the time he was right. And that's really complicated because he's up here at what, like 19, you know, yeah. he's like a teenager when he's, when he's making his major league debut, they, they're trying to kind of figure out everything. Um, you know, at, you also have the interest of the agent, right. And in this case, Scott Boris, I think wants to keep his pitch down as much as he can. So, you know what, the front office says, like, Hey, like we're going to give him a break in the middle of the season. Scott was like, look, great. You know, I can take him out to the free agent market with fewer innings on his arms. You know, now that said, the kid, meanwhile, is, you know, he wants to pitch, he, you know, he, he might understand, yeah, this is a long term thing, you're 20 years old, you know, you think you can compete out there with the best players in the world, you want to do it, you know, and so there is this kind of there is an understanding, obviously, I think he understands like, okay, yeah, they, they you know, they're trying to win games and this and that, um, you know, as far as like where he, whether he stays or leaves, though, I, I do think again, right, I mean, this is, uh, and this is like a very Mexican trade, I think is there is kind of this like loyalty thing. Right. And, you know, I do think whatever it is, you know, whatever, I mean, I think that there are those types of frustrations, but there's also like, Hey, this is a team that signed me when I was a teenager. Right. I mean, he was, he was just another kid in, in Mexico in Culiacan before they signed him. Now he's a millionaire, you know? Um, right. And the fans love him. I mean, and I think that that's, that's something you can't like underscore either. Right. I mean, there's, um, you know, the, the, I mean, he's, he might be the most popular player on the team, you know, I mean, at least by like web traffic and stuff, when we see, we write about him, there's clear spike in readership. Um, you know, obviously I think he appreciates that. The fact that like LA is, you know, I mean, that, right. There's some parts of LA that are like basically like Mexico city. I mean, yeah. you know, right. Um, you know, the, the food uh, you won't have to worry with uh, now, I think there's going to be, you know, at some point when it, when it comes time for him to make that decision, there's going to be weighing that kind of against, okay, well, you know, am I just, am I happy playing this kind of role where I'm not like the guy. Right. And, you know, I mean, this is just kind of my personal opinion. I think he can be that guy clearly. I mean, I assume he thinks he can be that guy. Um, you know, uh, the agent I assume is going to push him to wherever the most money is, uh, you know, and, and here's, and, and, you know, I think if he winds up leaving, it's going to be, financial but the financials will be i think dictated by what they think of him right because if he's a six inning pitcher if he's a two-time through the order guy um you know they're not going to give him that big contract that he's like looking for right i mean he's looking to be paid like an ace i assume I, you know and i'm sure scott boris is going to sell him as an ace uh right and you know because of the way actually as how well they've treated him he can actually say hey look like he's only thrown this many innings 
so far, right? I mean, he's been in the major leagues for X amount of years and he's only got this many innings. Um, you know, you could point to a guy like Max Scherzer, who, you know, before he became a free agent, like relative to other guys, uh, you know, with his experience level, didn't have a ton of innings actually, right? This wasn't like a Doc Gooden type situation where he had thrown 7 billion innings by the time he became a free agent and was basically done at that point. So, um, you know, and so I think the Dodgers will put like a price tag on that, you know, and they'll offer him something. And, you know, they're going to be teams that'll say, you know what, actually we view you, we do view you as a number one and they're going to offer him number one type money. And then it's going to be the decision of like, okay, do I stay with what's comfortable? Do I stay, you know, loyal to these people or do I try to make more of my career? Um, you know, and I think that that's going to be like an interesting choice because again, I could see uh, very easily him staying, you know, I could also see him saying, you know what, I want to take a crack at being special, right? Um, he's obviously been touched with the talent and, you know, there are only so many pitchers in baseball that get kind of this opportunity to do what he's doing, right? And to become that type of player or to even become the type of player he thinks he has a chance of becoming, right? Why not take that chance and kind of, you know, reach for the stars, so to speak? I mean, that's the way these guys are, are geared mentally. So, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of factors. You know, there's, I'm sure there's, right, personal stuff too. I mean, who knows, right? And maybe between now and then he winds up getting married to a girl from here, you know, and she says, don't leave. Well, then he's not leaving, <laughs> right? So, you know, a lot of things can kind of happen. It's not, I don't think it's, uh, you know, well, I'm not happy with the way I'm being used. So I'm gone necessarily either. Go ahead, Alicia. I like that strategy, Dylan. Let's get uh, Urias married so he stays. <laughs> I personally do not want him to leave. And I said this to my co-host a few weeks ago, right, guys? I think he's going to leave as well. And you explained so well why it would make sense for him to leave because if this is a marriage, right? If Julio is married to the Dodgers, the Dodgers are like that kind of neglectful, um, that husband that should pay more attention to his wife, that should take better care of her, you know? And what can we do, Dylan? What can we do? I, this is just me being Pollyanna. Do you think the Dodgers pay enough attention to your articles do we need to start a petition do we need to drop flyers over dodger stadium like what do we need to do to get the dodgers to treat urias urias better so yeah you know i think i mean honestly i think some of it's going to be him right again him kind of voicing kind of like his displeasure with the situation and again you know and, and again i understand like that's probably against like his nature um, you know, one thing again in the in the column that when we talked in the spring about right this thing, and I kind of brought up the point like, well, they wouldn't have done this to Bueller, they wouldn't have done this to Scherzer. His thing was like, well, look, you know, like I did, I had pitched in relief the year before, you know. Now, if I were four years into it, just being a starter, I would probably tell them like, hey, I'm not comfortable doing this anymore. Now, like if we kind of unpackage that, right? You're kind of it, there's kind of this implication of like, well, once I get to that point, you know, uh, once I've earned it, then I can kind of, now I think though that, you know, again, his personality is kind of more like he's waiting for the team to almost like acknowledge that for him. Right. Like, I'm not really sure he's going to be the type of person that's going to be like, it's going and start making demands. You know, uh, I think he was kind of hoping, well, you know, I won 20 games like, hello, don't you see this? Right. And that's kind of um, that's his culture. Know. Yeah, that that's the how, culture. Right. That's and, and we're brought up. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the our... thing here. Right. Is that <laughs> I think when we talk about, um, you know, 
say, diversifying like a workforce or something, right? It's not like, well, we need a Mexican in the front office for the sake of having a Mexican there, right? Um, uh, very similarly, actually, you know, with, with the Angels, I've had, you know, a lot of conversations with Joe Madden and other people in that front office about like Otani, right? And I kind of warned them like, hey, I know this, so my mom's Japanese, um, you know, and I, I speak Japanese also, so, but, you know, um, and I kind of tell them like, hey, like, I know this is what it sounds like to you, but like, this is what it actually means, right? I know, you know, the first game, the opening day when Otani came out of the game, for example, uh, you know, he handed Madden the ball, he looked at him in the eyes, but then quickly looked away. Now, an American player, right, you, he wouldn't even look at the manager if he was angry. He would just hand him the ball and just walk off. So because there was initial eye contact, Madden thought like, oh, everything's fine. No, like Otani was pissed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that's Japanese for like, I want to murder you right now, you know? <laughs> and so little things kind of get lost like that. And so, you know, yeah, like I do think it would help again, right? If you had uh, probably a more Mexican presence in the front office so that they can kind of like help decode these things, you know? And I think that's one, you know, and again, it's not that like, look, you know, I'm, I'm not like in for like token representation or anything, right? right? It's just that this actually serves a purpose. Like your organization actually gets better if you can understand different cultures and stuff. And, you know, the truth is, is that the Latin American players path to the major leagues is like the most difficult one, right? They sign these kids as teenagers. They send them off like in the middle of like nowhere, you know, in the middle of Iowa, they live with these host families. They don't speak the language. And because they've been through so much to get to the major leagues, there's kind of this thing of like, yeah, whatever, like he dealt with that. Like he can, you know, this is nothing for him, you know, but I do think, you know, on that point, Dylan, one of these days, we got to have you back on the show because I feel you just described Yasiel Puig. And I, I, as much as people want to give that guy crap and maybe it is warranted, but I don't think we focus enough on what you just explained right now. And I feel Puig went through that. A little bit. We, 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 could, we could do three shows. We could do three shows on Puig. All right. All right. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, and so in this case, like, I think, you know, like where he's like, you know, again, right. Because of it's the culture, he's being respectful. Actually deep down, like he wants the team to kind of acknowledge like, Hey, like you earned this now, you know, and how much that would mean to him at that point. Right. Um, and again, I do think, you know, in terms of like him staying and kind of like what the fans could do. I mean, honestly, again, like the support that the, the fans have shown him over the years, I think means a ton to him, you know, um, you know, and we've seen this, right. And, you know, I'm going to the Canelo fight right now. You're going to the, right. You see fighters, the way they respond to crowds, you know, the fact that like, I still remember, right. Like, uh, you know, Eric Morales is like a really good example. I'm sorry. I'm even switching sports here, but you know, here was a guy who was like long limbed. This guy could have fought from the outside, you know, um, and just kind of boxed, right? He was technically very good, but he insisted on like fighting, like toe to toe. I'm going to fight you like a man because that's what the public wants, you know? And so again, like I think, you know, culturally, um, you know, he's probably, you know, wired to be more, you know, appreciative. Uh, not that the players don't appreciate the fans, but like he especially, I think really kind of feels that at his core, you know, so. That, uh, speaking of, the, of that, Dylan, can you answer a, a, a question for us to debate? Yes. How much of the, per, what percentage would you say of the fans in the stands at Dodger Stadium are Latinos? Man, you know, they say statistically, they say like 40 to 50%. It looks more than that, right? It feels uh, more it, than it that, looks right? like 70. 
It's you know, more. It's I was gonna say it's more. like a, it's for sure. I think it's it's if it's not seventy, I don't feel like that's correct. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it wouldn't feels- it be important not to piss off? Like you just said it. Your articles get more circulation when it's about Urias. Right. So Absolutely. wouldn't the Dodgers be a, like more sensitive to pissing him off? Well, so okay. So this is where you know, again, in the way you kind of look at an organization, right? It's like this is where you have like divisions of okay. So I think Mark Walter will see that he's the owner. He's I mean, keep in mind he's an absolute. The guy lives in Chicago. Okay, he's not here. You know, so he's just looking at this from a distance, and he's like, oh yeah, like okay, it's a Mexican city. We happen to have a Mexican star, you know, who grew up here, who has a great story. He's got a very like distinctive look about him. Uh, from a business standpoint, it's like keep him, right? Absolutely, you know. Now the front that's not the front office's job. The front office's job isn't to worry about you know. And there in every and this happens in every sport, by the way, right? Where you have kind of the tension between the people who know about the sport and then the money people, you know, and some decisions a lot of times you know they'll tell um you know speaking of like Puig for example you know my understanding wasn't I you know that like at some point right the owners told you know Friedman and Zaidi when they first came in like you can't trade Puig right um not necessarily saying that they were going to but they were instructed you cannot trade this guy you know uh you know Kenley Jansen I think was probably close to leaving uh, you know, the, the time before, right after, uh, what was it? 16, 17 off season. Yeah. When he signed his deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, you know, and Walter, from what I hear stepped in at that last moment and said like, no, like you make this happen, give him that extra year, you know? Um, and there are times, you know, when you look at, you know, you look around baseball sometimes and you wonder like, how the hell did that guy get like a eight year, whatever contract. Right. Um, if it doesn't make sense, a lot of times that's the owner actually kind of telling the guy, telling his GM, like, make this happen, you know? So again, like, those are kind of two, I, I think, again, from like a business standpoint, there's no question about it. I'm, my guess is like, Walter's going to put a lot of pressure on Friedman to kind of resign him, you know? Um, that's why, like, honestly, like, if you kind of put a gun to my head and ask me, like, do you think he's going to stay? Like, my guess is that, you know, like I said, the contract is going to be kind of a representation of like what they think of him, but like, it's going to come up because of <laughs> that factor, you know? And then, you know, usually in these things, they'll tell a guy whatever he wants to hear. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll pitch you more, whatever. And I think in the end, you know, and again, it's, it's a comfortable surrounding. He's been here for a while. Like my guess is he stays, you know, um, if they make him that offer. Um, well, let me ask you this. Uh, since you and I both have hard outs, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it with this. I, I apologize, Alicia. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. We, we, we have time. We have time. We can, we can, keep, we can go for a little more if you guys want since since free agent contracts for starters have been kind of all over the place the last few years, and especially with the lockout, I am curious to hear what you think the Dodgers may offer him. Because just as an example, you know, Robbie Ray got five years and 115 million with the Mariners. Kevin Gosman got five years, 110. You know, and then you you know when you look at the grand scheme of things, Anthony Discalfini got three years, 36 million. So it's it's so all over the place that uh, I don't even know what they may offer Julio. And truthfully, I don't know what Boris wants either, because as you know, that's the Boris effect too, as far as that goes. What do you think it would take for him to stay? Probably, I don't know. And I'm totally just guessing here. This this is based on like nothing. Okay. No, right. Like, no, and, just, and I feel like everyone's guessing at this point, because right, yeah. as you said, Julio 
doesn't say anything. You know, right. Scott, I know, has been super quiet about it. His office hasn't leaked anything. So that's why I'm curious to what you think it is. Yeah, yeah. I just want to, you know, because sometimes like these things like end up like an MLB trade room. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm just, this is just me. Just this totally is going to get attributed to you, right? Dylan, <laughs> yeah. Dylan Hernandez said. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing it would go somewhere in the 200 range because my guess is that Boris is going to sell him as an ace. Boris is going to sell him as a, hey, look, he hasn't pitched that much, right? Um, He's going to use comps, right? Of like, look at the, he's, you know, uh, the one thing, you know, and I've been to Boris's offices before um, where downstairs there are a bunch of these like computer servers and stuff and they're processing that, you know, that's the thing. That's why he does really well is that all the data the team has, his data is just as good as not better, right? He's got like guys, people that used to work for NASA, and they're like running, running the numbers and stuff. So he's able to come up with all these arguments for why you should pay his guy, right? Yeah. And so I think he's gonna he's gonna go in and he's gonna demand like ace money. He's young again, not a ton of innings on his arm uh, so far, at least no elbow problems. Um, you know, what he had like a shoulder thing that I think Alatraj did a pretty good job of repairing. It seems so. Uh, yeah, he's gonna sell him as like a number one. He's gonna you know that's uh, two hundred plus million, and that's like another factor too, right? It's like you know, I don't think, you know, Cass, you know, right. They've, they've done, it seems like, you know, Friedman and Boris have done business um, before. Uh, it seems like they have a decent relationship. I also think though, that there's a bit of a fear factor there too, from, you know, right. Cause everybody there's intellectual vanity and stuff involved, you know, and even like this last game, you know, if you're going to ask me, honestly, I think that there's part of, Friedman and in this case like Roberts too where they kind of look across the diamond I mean the, you look at that Giants lineup that first game I and mean, there's not a single everyday player in that lineup right so how are they right with us in the the standings it's like well it's Farhan and it's Capital and they're really smart right and so now I think you kind of well we're smart too you know and I think that's kind of what happened a little bit last year I think that's that played a factor in this game too where it's like Instead of just, you know, I mean, look, if it were me, I'd just like, look, I got the better players. I'm going to run them out there and we're going to kick your ass. Um, but I think, again, they want to kind of show like, hey, we're just as smart as you are, you know. And, um, you know, so they, they kind of start doing things, you know, that are a little unorthodox to kind of prove that point. Uh, but anyway, you know, where this comes in with like the Boris thing, I think, is there is a little bit of an intimidation thing there, too. Right. You don't want to kind of get locked into that type of negotiation next thing you're you know giving out that kind of contract that people are saying like oh why did you do that for you know um because i i sense there's a and again it seems like they talk right it's it's pretty you know now casting and boris is kind of a different situation but i think that with at least with friedman there's a pretty decent relationship there they seem to kind of talk but they haven't really gotten into it yet right and it's kind of like two fighters that have been circling each other around for years and you know uh and it's going to come to a head at some point right because if it's not um you know you know well with, right with Seeger, they kind of just decided okay we're just not going to get into this one uh so we might see it here if not we'll probably see it down the road somewhere with like another player alicia yeah, you want to wrap up well i was just going to ask that question a what do you think the dodgers would give him and b just to follow up, what other teams do you think would give him more? Because that's why I think he could leave is if the Dodgers don't treat him better. And again, this is me being the female, right? Like 
treat your man better. And secondly, <laughs> what other teams are going to, you know, scoop him up and, and where, where could he possibly end up in your opinion? Or is it too soon? Uh, it's probably, you know, honestly, I just haven't seen like what the payroll situation is. It's going to be whoever has the money. Right. Um, you know, San Francisco is obviously kind of the sleeping giant, uh, right? No, um, they, I mean, they've just been like waiting in the weeds and I don't, you know, even like this year, it's kind of like they didn't make any like really big moves yet, you know, but at some point they're going to kind of clear the thing. And like, then like, here's the one thing I know about Zaidi is that like, probably he's bolder, I think, than, you know, in terms of like kind of taking that risk. I think he's actually more likely to do that than Friedman is in terms of, you know, temperament, right? He's more, he, I think he's willing to gamble a little more, right? They were deeper in, in some ways with the Bryce Harper thing, I think that the Dodgers were, right? The Dodgers kind of wanted this very kind of short, okay, well, you know, let's find a creative way to make this happen. Whereas like the Giants were kind of in on that, you know? So at some point, I think, you know, the Giants are going to kind of make their move. Uh, so that's kind of like the logical one. It's a pitcher's park. Um you know, it is still California. Um, so uh, that's a possibility. But, you know, the other thing, too, and I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. And this is uh, this is kind of an important point is that, you know, the Dodgers win. Pe players still would rather be part of a winning team than not. You know, and I think, you know, again, Kershaw is an example, um, you know, and, and while I think he's Kershaw's even come around to the whole third time through the order thing. I mean, he seems to really understand that and even be okay with it, at least at this point in his career, you know, where they yanked him out before that. Um, that wasn't always the case, but I think what ultimately kind of helped keep him here. I mean, part of it, yes, was that the Dodgers like really right went out of their way to kind of like make him feel like, Hey, you're our franchise. We really want you here and all that. Uh, the winning I think mattered. Right. And I think right this past off season, uh, you know, Jorge Castillo, our beat guy went out to, uh, Texas last winter after they won the world series and spent some time with them out there. And, you know, you read the subtext of that story. It was kind of like, it sounded a little bit like, Hey, goodbye guys type. Yeah, thing, you know? yeah. Right. Um, you know, cause reading that, I was like, Oh man, he's gone. Um, and, you know, I think part of what brought him back, I mean, I think right. Come the injury was probably a factor again. He, he wasn't sure. Um, you know, and if you're going to come off an injury, you might as well go with a team whose medical staff you're familiar with, who's right. Uh, front office you're familiar with and where the fans would probably be more accepting of you if things didn't work out. Uh, but I think the winning thing was also a factor, right? I mean, you look at Texas, you look at the Dodgers, Texas might be there, might not, who knows, you know, the Dodgers are going to be there, you know? And I think, especially with Kershaw where he is as much as, you know, money is, he's already made, he wants to be part of that October experience again, you know, and I think it's tough, you know, going to like a losing environment, right? I mean, you know, right. You saw A-Rod sign that huge contract in Texas. I mean, there's only so much losing a guy can take, even if you're getting paid that money, you know? Right. So I do think that the winning matters too, you know? So um, I'm sorry, I forgot what the original question was. I just kind of kept <laughs> rambling, <laughs> but. You're on mute, Alicia. Well, my phone, my oh. computer is making funny noises. Sorry. Oh. You answered it, Dylan, but last night, our, Recently, rather, I was at uh, the Giants-Dodgers game. Jaw comes up to bat, and he got booed. I was at the game when he was with Atlanta last season, did not get booed. So I just want to settle this once and for all. The Giants are still the Dodgers' rival, right? Because 
we had this debate with Padres fans and, and the guys that cover the Padres and they really want to be our rival so bad. Yeah, okay. So here's the thing, right? There's the, there's the rivalry with the fans and then there's kind of the rivalry like among the players. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that the Dodgers giants, like there hasn't been bad blood for like a pretty long time. You know, even when the giants were winning, I think, right, like, you know, Bumgarner and Kershaw are actually somewhat similar temperamentally. Uh, I think there was kind of like a healthy respect there. There was a, it was a healthy competition, right? This wasn't, you know, those Kirk Gibson Diamondbacks. Uh, I can tell you the players like hated those guys. And I remember even when uh, there was a Kirk Gibson bobblehead day. Yeah. And I heard, and, you know, they had like a promotional poster, I think like in the back of the, the clubhouse, like leading out. And for some reason, they had like a poster back there of this thing. And uh, I heard that one of the players on the way out, like ripped it down. Like, why is this blank up here? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> right. And obviously you remember those brawls and stuff like that was like a real thing. Right. The players like really hated each other. Um, you know, I think a couple of years ago with the Padres, uh, you know, not so much last year because they just kind of laid down in the second half, whatever. But, you know, when they met in that playoff series, you could tell, right, they were getting like annoyed with each other, you know um Dodgers Giants right now like it seems like pretty healthy you know you look before the game I mean Jock was over he yeah. spent more time with the Dodgers players than he did with his own teammates you know um right uh you know again the front offices right I mean Farhan was over with the Dodgers before you know Gabe Kapler worked in the Dodgers front office also as their farm director so there's a lot of kind of cross-pollination there there's you know they do things pretty similarly like culturally it's not that different uh so yeah, it, it is like a fan. I think it's kind of more fan driven kind of at this point. Now, every now and then, obviously, like they will kind of pick up on this. Right. And, you know, if you have the right combustible elements. Right. If you have a Bumgarner on one team and a Puig on another team uh, or a Muncie, whatever. Right. These things have they, they can explode like very quickly. But yeah, right now, I would say like it's a, it's a healthy competition rather than like I really hate those guys. Thank you. Well, I'll, I'll take the fans answer then. I'll, I'll, I'll say that halfway I was correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fans, I mean, right. I mean, it's like, I'm surprised like anybody has like the guts to wear like a giant, you know, and I'm not saying that this should be the case, but like, I'm surprised, you know, cause I grew up going to like soccer game, you know, my, I think I told you my, my dad's from El Salvador and, you know, we used to go to these games at the Coliseum all the time where, you know, you right. And they would bring in a Mexican team and a Salvadorian team, whatever. And, you know, you paid your $10, $20, whatever. And the crowd would just self-segregate, you know, right? The Mexicans knew they sat on one side and the Salvadorians <laughs> are on the other side. And it was just like, don't go to the other side. Right. You know, and because I grew up just like watching like fights like all the time. So like whenever I see this stuff at Dodger Stadium, I'm kind of thinking like, yeah, of course that happens. What are you, what are you, what are you thinking wearing these things, you know? But... <laughs> Yeah. How are we doing on time, Dylan? I, I want to be respectful. I know you. Uh, we're fine. We can keep. Yeah, we can go for a while. All, all right. So, <laughs> I mean, I, if you can, if you can bear more of me. <laughs> I know, absolutely. I know. I love it. We just uh, we we got a couple more minutes. I just wanted to bring it back to Julio. Uh, there's a couple of things that you mentioned in your article. Um, the velocity is that a concern? And this big. I know they made a big deal about Mookie and his vegan diet. Julio's body's changed also. So are those two things connected? Are those legitimate concerns that we need to be keeping an eye on for the rest of the season with Julio? I think you want to keep, I mean, I, I'm wondering, you know, right? Like, I mean, when I saw him initially, my first thought was like, 
put this guy in the bank for like Cy Young, you know, that's, that was my feel, honestly. Um, you know, similar to kind of like last year, I remember, you know, I saw pictures of like Otani showing up to camp and he just kind of physically just looked different. And I remember telling, and I swear to God, this is true. I told Jack Harris, who actually covers the Dodgers for us now, I yeah. told him like, Hey, you might want to check the odds in Vegas to see what they are for like MVP for him. You know, you can kind of, a lot of times like you do see like, Guys just kind of maturing, you know, Cody Bellinger, his MVP year, I remember he showed up to camp just kind of looking like a little different. And so, you know, you look at Arias and you're thinking like, well, you know, this is kind of it, right? He's, be, you know, and, and it makes sense too, right? He's at the, he's what, 25, 26 now, 25, I think, right? And, you know, he's becoming a man now, right? He's not just, you know, the baby fat's all kind of gone. And uh, yeah, that said, you know, I remember uh, Jonathan Broxton, uh, you know, my uh, predecessor, big country, TJ, big country, yeah, right? There. DJ Simers, I remember, was kind of badgering him <laughs> one time about how fat he was, you know. And what Broxton told him was actually, you know, there was a year in the minor leagues that I actually lost weight and I lost like eight miles off my fastball. <laughs> so, yeah, it it's could the be, Sid Fernandez effect, right? Yeah, Dylan, so that's the thing, like, it might be, it might not. I mean, Right. I mean, Bartolo that, Colon for a more recent, you know, reference. Yeah. And then you, well, then you wonder, right? Like, well, does it matter though? You know, I mean, right now, like at least, you know, I mean, let's throw the Coors field thing out of the way. Right. But, um, that was whatever, you know. Um, but like, yeah, since then, I mean, his ERA is under one. Yeah. So maybe it's okay. Right. I mean, if is kind of right, if the other pitches are developing, you know, uh, to a point where, you know, he doesn't need 95, then I guess it's okay. Um, if not, then, yeah, then you kind of start worrying, you know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, anytime you see a velocity drop, you always kind of wonder about the injury thing, right? I mean, pitchers, if they throw enough, they will eventually get hurt. Uh, so there is, like, that's kind of always somewhere in the back of your mind. Um, you know, so far the results are good. So I think, um, you know, I I think it's okay, but yeah, it's one of those things you definitely keep an eye on for sure. Joining us on the Candia Sada is the pride of South Pasadena. Uh, uh, Dylan, uh, look, I enjoy your articles. I know you get a lot of hate on social media. One parting question before we end the show. Uh, the difference between criticism and analysis. I know you're in a a hybrid type role where you're giving your opinion right. in your, in your writing. Uh, I, I enjoy your writing, but it seems that sometimes your articles, I, I think lose sight of the fact that there's actual analysis taking place right. and people just read it as criticism. Now, is that just because we're all homers and you can't say anything bad about the Dodgers? Because if you would have written this about, you know, somebody on the Giants, if you would have written it about the Angels, if you would have written it about Otani, I guarantee you people would be like, hey, man, that Dylan, he's onto something. He's got it. But because you, you, you're coming at the Dodgers, like people, I, I'm just like, I don't understand the, the, the vitriol that you get. You know what, though? It's, it's the same with every fan base, right? Um, the Angels, the same thing. You know, last year, Otani kind of popped off at the end of the year, kind of talking about how they didn't make trades at the deadline. You know, and again, like, keep in mind, like, Japanese players, you know, you think Julio's, like, quiet. Like, Julio at least, like, laughs, right? Kind of, <laughs> like, let you know what he's thinking. Japanese players usually say nothing. I mean, that was, like, the Japanese equivalent of, like, a Billy Martin rant. You know, and I wrote at the time, like, hey, like, basically, he's telling them, like, straighten this out in the next two years. If not, I'm gone. I really thought that. 
like honestly like i really really thought you know um i you know i talked to the other japanese reporters that have you know covered them forever like everybody came away with the same thing i think you know and yeah angels fans like reacted very violently to that right like they, they were not happy with that um you know uh boxing is actually my favorite sport to watch mm-hmm. um now that said uh the sport sucks right now right it's uh become this kind of very niche right uh frankly you can't sell it right now to anyone who's not latino like basically does not care you know, this fight, I mean, he's fighting some guy that nobody's ever heard of. The only reason anyone's going to watch it is because it's a Mexican guy on Cinco de Mayo. And this is like a reason to right? And my family used to do this too. Right. You know, when I was still just covering baseball, get together, carne asada, drink beer, watch the fight, drink more beer, you yeah. know. Um, and, you know, I wrote I've been writing about just the problems boxing has. And everybody's like, that guy hates boxing. No, I actually really like boxing a lot, you know? Um, yeah, so I think, you know, people have, well, because I think here's the thing, right? It's like, I think when people look at a team, you know, and I think I mentioned this earlier, it's like, yeah, they want to be supportive and they want to they have this idea that like everything's like in harmony, right? Because they support everything that the team does. And, you know, they want to believe that the players are always on board with what management's doing and management believes in the players and, you know, it's not, it, it's like any other, here's the thing. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's like any other workplace. If there are problems, there are players, you will be surprised, like some guys that don't like other guys and you would never guess, right? There's, it's just like, again. I'm talking and, about Trevor Bauer. We can't talk about Trevor Bauer on the show. <laughs> not Trevor Bauer. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like there, there, there would be like, you know, and I can tell you if we get off camera. Well, like, yeah, I, we'll talk, we'll know? say that because yeah, he'll like, sue us. He'll probably guys telling his lawyers really, right now. would be shocked. Right. Like, oh, they look like they both seem like such nice guys, whatever. Like, but, it's, you know, there's the public image and that's kind of what's really going on back there. And, you know, and again, like I could see like this is like entertainment and stuff. Right. It's, you know, you, you're coming home from work and these are my guys. And, you know, and I think part of it, too, is like people tend to project. Right. When, you know, well, you know, if I write, you know, you, you fantasize it like I'm a Dodger, you know, like if I were a player. Right. And this is what it would be like in the clubhouse. Uh, it's not like that, right? You know, you probably want to murder half of your teammates and you you hate the manager because he doesn't play you enough. I mean, that's like the reality of it, right? Like, you know, and again, anybody that played even sports just through high school, you know, it's like that, right? I mean, some guys, you obviously, you know, they're like your brothers, other people you don't like so much, your coach, you might be okay on, whatever. It's just like that, you know? And so, look, like, my thing has just always been, you know, I've always just wanted to know like what was going on. Right. And when, when I read stuff, uh, you know, and this is just me like as a reader, you know, I don't even like the stuff that like, I like, I want stuff kind of more explained to me, honestly. I mean, one of my biggest kind of disappointments is how bad my feel for the actual game of baseball is. Um, You know, soccer, I can watch and I can tell you exactly what's going on and why it's happening. Like I can, I can talk you through a game. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm watching a fight, I can tell you why things are landing, why this is happening, this and that. Baseball, I don't know, man. Like I watch like a bull, you know, guys throw bullpen sessions. To me, that's crap all looks hard, right? 85 looks like gas to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only reason I can tell a guy's like throw it really, really hard is because frankly, you know, you see the swings, right? Yeah. But if yeah. I were to, you know, like some people, you know, Ken Gurnick, who used to cover for MLB.com, had just had like a great, great feel for the game, you know. And so um, 
you know, and actually, if you read what I do for like, say, boxing or soccer, and probably I do this too much, right? It's like I get too technical about it, because frankly, you know, that's what I would want to read now. Um, and for better or worse, with baseball, I've always just kind of focused more like on the personality aspects of it, because that is the one thing I can understand. And I can, you know, and again, I, I know these people, you know, and it's funny, because people always say, like, that's the other thing that people don't understand, right? Is they're like, there's no way those guys would ever talk to you again. Okay. Like, first of all, if you're a professional athlete, you're not that sensitive, right? The fans are way more offended than the players ever are. And second of all, you know, if you're a professional athlete, like everybody's kissing up to you all the time. Right. Um, And, you know, I think they can actually kind of respect when somebody shoots straight with them. Right. You know, I remember, you know, there was one player, who was kind of, you know, I remember complaining at one point, I, I asked something, I'm assuming that was kind of, he took to be kind of unpleasant. And he looks over to the guy next to him and he's like, you always know what Dylan's going to write. Cause it's like the first question out of his mouth. And I'm like, Hey, don't you respect my candor? Like <laughs> I'm telling you what I'm going to write. I'm giving you an opportunity to respond, defend yourself, maybe even change my mind, which has happened by the way. Right. You know? Yeah. And so oddly, you know, here's the thing. I mean, there's some guys in there, they will only talk to me. You know, there are people that will, you know, and I don't want to get into like, all, you know, but like, I talk to these people regularly, even the people that like I have, sometimes it's actually the people that I criticize the most, actually, that I oddly have the best relationships with, uh-huh. you know, so, you know, again, and, and look, this is part of it. Like, this is a public business. Look, I, I look, because right, I mean, I could write in a journal if I wanted to, right? Um, and get it out that way. But, you know, I, I chose to be like in a, in a public facing business. And so I understand this is all kind of part of it. I honestly, you know, whatever. Um, it, it just tells me they're reading at least. So honestly, I, I appreciate all the feedback. <laughs> you know, I do wish, the, the only thing is I do wish, and clearly like when I, when I see some of the tweets though, you can tell they never, they didn't actually read it. Right. Or if they did, they skimmed through it so quickly. It's just the headline. It's just, they're reacting to the headline. Yeah. You know, and I would like to think, you know, there's like some subtleties there that like kind of people, you know, I would like, you know, but again, like everybody reads things differently, you know? So whatever, as long as, you know, whatever, it's, it's, it's better than being ignored completely, I guess. You know, so <laughs> you get used to it. The whole, at least bad publicity is, is still publicity, right? Like, yeah. Well, you know, and I, <laughs> look, I, and I, at the end, you know, because, uh, you know, when you're in this kind of business, right, especially, obviously, I don't think it's, uh, you know, breaking news here, right? The newspaper business, it's on very shaky ground. There've been times I've wondered, like, do I want to still do this? Like, right, I have kids now. Am I better off, like, transitioning to something else? Like, these thoughts have gone through my head as well as others, and you know, at the end of the day, like my job is to like go watch a ball game and like talk to people and, you know, and it's fun. You know, I, um, this, you know, and actually what came out of the, what really kind of inspired this Arias thing actually for me to write about was I was actually, there was a scout for another team watching this and he was sending me text messages during the game talking about how impressed he was. And it's like, Oh, like, I'm really curious to see how this is going to look the third time through the order. Uh Wait, he's out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But like, yeah. So, I mean, I have access again to, and this guy's a, you know, this guy's a scout that I've known for probably more than a decade now, I think. 
And he's been like right about different stuff, you know. I mean, he said, remember when Pedro Baez first converted to a pitcher, he was telling me he's going to make the major leagues. You know, so this is somebody like with like a track record, right? Um, And so, you know, yeah, like I get access to people like that and stuff. So like, you know, at the end of the day, if people are just saying some mean things on Twitter, (laughs) hey, like it's, it's a very small price to pay, I think, for what's ultimately like a really fun job. Dylan, who was it? What team? I'm just kidding. You don't. Have to say. <laughs> you got uh, you got anything else, uh, Alicia, before we uh, wrap things up? We're up against it right I now. Know we've, we've kept you so much longer than we intended. Thank you so much, Dylan, for being so authentic. I no, love- thank you so much. Thank you. This is like a like, seriously, this is like a really nice, uh, very professional podcast. I'm really impressed. Oh, wow. 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 This, is, this is like one of the, this is like the, this is like the best one I've been on. <laughs> hey, the check's in the mail, Dylan. The right? check's in the mail, Yeah, like. No, I would, look, I would, look, I wouldn't say, I don't say like, I don't like dish out compliments that are real. Right. You know? no, thank so, you. It, it's very appreciated. We no, appreciate so your candor. We appreciate your writing. I will continue to support you uh, <laughs> and, uh, and do what I can, but. For those of us listening, where can we find your stuff? Where can we find you on the socials, Dylan? Uh, LATimes.com backslash sports. uh, Twitter uh, at Dylan O. Hernandez. Um, And I don't really, I have an Instagram account that I haven't posted on in like 10 years. (laughs) I have a TikTok account that I also haven't used at all. So just uh, to watch your kids, right? Like, (laughs) no, actually, well, what happened was before I went to the Olympics, um, my daughter set it up. Uh And then, so I started posting videos just because like the time difference. And so it was kind of like our way to like communicate, I guess. Uh, so I would great. do like little things every time, like I ate something, like I posted like a video or something. And oh. I was kind of secretly hoping that it would like hit and I wouldn't have to write again. Like <laughs> while I do enjoy certain parts of the job, like I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being out there. I hate the writing is terrible. It's like the worst thing ever. I thought it would get easier as I got older. It's gotten worse because like now I know what sucks. Right. And the kind of <laughs> thing that I got carelessly sent in when I was 25. I'm like, I, yeah, it's just, it's just getting worse. So like I was secretly hoping my TikTok cloud would explode. Nothing. I'm at like 70 followers. So, <laughs> right? so, so keep writing, I guess. There you go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the Salvadorian Japanese sensation. Dylan Hernandez joining us on the Carnesada, which will hopefully be the first of many visits to come. We really enjoyed having you on the show. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Please make sure you listen and subscribe to the Bleed Lows podcast. Uh, Alicia has, go ahead. Uh, we didn't get his taco spots. Well, uh, uh, all right. <laughs> it's a tradition. We, you that can't is true. Not- uh, I, I, I didn't want to insult him because I know he's a foodie and I didn't want him to think, hey, I'm going to start making, you know. Hey, it's okay. I mean, look, hey, look. From LA, he's SGV. Like, we need to know where he goes. Here's the thing. (laughs) On this show, we are all about taco culture. Okay, Dylan. So we have, you know, that's kind of why we call ourselves the carne asada, right? It's just to come in. Let's have a conversation. So what we ask all our guests, but I know we went way over time with you. So I wanted to be respectful. But I'm going to ask you now, this is a question we ask all everyone that comes on the show. It's how we end every show. What is your favorite taco and where do you go in the city to get that taco? Okay, Man, I'm so basic. 
Honestly, <laughs> you're so basic. Dude. I am. There's a King Taco at a Royal Park, right? Because when I come home from the ballpark, a lot of times I just gotta stay there. It's just uh-huh. like the King Taco right there. Uh, obviously, I love. I like Gavilan. Okay, um, which is Wait, where what, I go. What tacos are you getting at, at King Taco? And and because we've all been there, I've been uh, the king. Okay. I like the uh, for the tacos al pastor uh-huh. uh, asada. Okay. And then I like uh, the lengua combination burrito. Oh, look at and this. And I also like their chimichangas. <laughs> you don't discriminate then, Dylan, huh? No. You just ask, the, ask for the sampler when you go? Yeah. At Cavilan, <laughs> I like the al pastor. Okay. I think those are really good. And then uh, el gallo hero. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. I, my, wife, my wife grew up like in South Central area, okay. whatever. So we used to go to like the one in like uh, Huntington Park and then the one in Plaza Mexico now. Oh, and okay. the, 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 I got to really, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I know, like, I'm burning all your time here. <laughs> like That's right. Roger's just ready to I jump. Got a, I got a real quick story about this. So, we're living in San Jose, right? My first job out of college was in San Jose. So we're living in For San the Mercury, Jose. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, like, El Gallo Hero used to be like the type of place, right? Like, when we came back, you know, we'd visit LA. It'd be like one of the first places we'd go to. You know, it's like before we even saw my parents, we would go there. You know, but uh, one day I'm, we're watching the news and it's like, you know, a, a fight erupted at El Gallo Hero on whatever. <laughs> and, a, you know, a man was thrown through the window, whatever. And like we were like, oh, my God, we have one here. <laughs> <laughs> so we went immediately. There was still like yellow tape everywhere. Like the window was so busted open. <laughs> So the caution tape made the tacos taste yeah. better. Is yeah. that what you're saying? But, well, no, I mean, this is the thing with LA, though, man. Like, they don't, you know, more like you don't. The service was not as fast. Put it that way, right? <laughs> Just because <laughs> they were dealing with some other business, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you know, just like the work, you know, like the, there's a thing about LA, man. There's a different energy in the city, right? Just like with the way you know, yeah. here they do it fast and efficiently, which yeah. you kind of can't find like in other places, like in the world. You know, there are places that will give you something like really fast, but it's all messed up, you yeah. know. Whereas here, I think, uh, yeah, you know, so I kind of like the the pace here i guess you know so those are like my three spots i guess i'm trying to think if there are any more oh there's another place actually this is kind of a very pasadena thing maybe this will work okay uh, arturos it's a truck okay fair oaks i uh, i've been to that place that's yeah. where all the sports net la guys go really after the show yeah really? um elisa hernandez told us when we had her on the show that uh-huh. joe davis and who else babyface who else was oh, the yeah one yeah that? So I went to it. Here's the, South o- too, yeah. Here's the only issue I have with that place, Dylan. The tacos are way too small. Yes. They are way too small. Yeah. So it's like you got to order four and look like a, a damn fat ass and be like, whatever, <laughs> man. Dude. Four, four is just like choose. So oh, I ordered like six. I'm not. <laughs> but I, I, I like them. I like that. And they have squirt at that truck. Yeah. So that yeah. makes it legit. To yeah. Me. So uh, Nick Picoro uh, of the Arizona Republic. He's a good friend of mine. And so when Nick comes to town, like, that's like the thing we go do. Like, uh, you know, we, we make our, our trip all the time there. So, so there, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. We truly have now a friend of the carne asada in Dylan Hernandez. We got to go because Babyface is ready to kill me right now. But make sure you listen, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube, wherever. 
That's going to be it. We're out. Hey, this is Max Muncy, and you're listening to the Bleed Lows Podcast. There you have it. Huge thanks to uh, Dylan Hernandez of the Los Angeles Times. Like we said when we started the episode, a dollar for three months. I did it. Juan's done it. Well, he's a subscriber now, but I did it. Alicia's done it, so we've all done it. Go do it. We're not getting paid to say that. It's just phenomenal writing, and not just the sports end, just everything about the time. So go check it out. A huge thanks also to my uh, my co-host, Alicia and, and, and uh, Juan. Uh, for uh, for carrying it, I had to step away uh, to deal with some adult working business because you know adults have to do that. Uh, so huge thanks to them, big ups to them. Appreciate them more than you know. Uh, thanks again. But on that note, this episode of the Bleed Lost Podcast was presented by our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports info. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today, which is betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code, which is believe, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you haven't, please subscribe, please rate and review, please follow us on the socials. We super appreciate each and every single one of you that do. And without you guys, we wouldn't be here. We also wouldn't be on the Believe Network. And we wouldn't be out here doing the damn thing. So thank you guys. But on that note, it's another episode of the podcast. Thank you guys again. And we will catch you down the road. Go Dodgers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.